On this episode of Year One, we speak to Anvith, serial entrepreneur and founder of Compornium, a comprehensive pet health and well-being app. Anvith is an inspirational young man who epitomizes resilience and drive. He speaks openly about his first venture that almost failed, his second venture that did fail, and how these setbacks did not break him, but rather better prepared him for his latest venture. Anvith has maturity and wisdom beyond his years and shares insights and advice that will serve all founders well. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So, without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. Anvith, welcome to year one. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to have a chat to Satish and myself. The first question that we ask on year one to everyone who joins is, why entrepreneurship? Why did you not go the traditional route of doing a nine to five? Or what happened in your life that you decided that this is the path that you want to follow? Well, firstly, thanks Dion and Satish for having me over. The pleasure is mine. To answer your question, why entrepreneurship? Why not in regular nine to five job. I think I've always been someone who liked taking unconventional routes. It's been evident in not just my career choices, but you know, in all the choices that I've made so far. For example, I was born and raised in India, the southern part of India, from a city called Hyderabad. And now I'm the only child. I was very pampered, you know, siblings, very close to my parents. And then when I was 18, that was when I first moved to the UK to do my, to, for my bachelor's from Nottingham Business School. And as for entrepreneurship, it's actually, it, it is a bit of a funny story to be, to tell you honestly, because firstly, I don't think there's ever been like a Eureka moment where I knew that, okay, that's it. This is my calling. It's more gradual. And as you said, I'm still very young. I'm only 24. And even today, I still discover why I like being an entrepreneur every day or once every few days. So I'd say it all started back when I was a kid. Back when I didn't didn't even know the real meaning of entrepreneurship. At that point, all I knew was that it's, it's as I said, it's a funny story, right? So I was I was around seven, eight, and I remember watching this film, and the lead actor was a businessman, and me being an automo- automotive fanatic, all that appeared to me was good, nice cars, and I was like, yeah, that's it. I want to be a businessman, but. You know, clearly I was around seven, eight. I was, yeah, that was just about it. And then fast forward to, I'd say when I was around 14, 15, I was doing my GCSEs. And then I clearly, I realized that physics, chemistry, and biology are out of my reach. It wasn't meant for sciences. And then for my, I, it's similar to A-levels. It's called IB back in India, IBDP program. So that's when I was like, right, if sciences is not my thing, then what's an alternative for me? business and economics so that was more of a strategic decision again so I was like okay let me try this out and that's when I really started enjoying those subjects I think mainly because because of the relatability they had to real life applications and it unlike sciences business and economics on management in general they sort of allowed me to stretch my boundaries and use my imagination to sort of answer the questions or solve those case studies and then when I was applying for my uh, college uh, for my undergraduation, like college apps, that's when again, I was like, what do I want to do with the inside of business and management? Do I want to do marketing, HR, finance, entrepreneurship? And I did my undergrad, I majored in management and entrepreneurship. And that again was 
more of a logical decision because I come from a doctor's family. So if I want to set my own business up, I'd probably have to build my own platform. So yeah, that way I wouldn't say that I was in a different field and then suddenly I found my calling. No, it was more of a logical strategic decision. But I'd say that actually studying entrepreneurship for three years at Nottingham completely changed my perspective because I believe it was the exposure to the entrepreneurial world combined with a hands-on learning approach. I think that's what essentially further grounded my interest. And that's when I essentially realized that entrepreneurship was much more than just living a fancy life. The lessons, you know, that comes with the job. Absolutely. And it's more your own creating value. It's about doing something that's normal. I remember someone saying that, I remember reading this somewhere that a huge form of self-discovery. Unfortunately, around them is when I started reading books, lines of mindfulness, subconscious mind, I started becoming more aware as a person. Started really introspecting about what is it that matters to me deep down. And that's when I realized that being part of novel projects, being part of something that creates value it took me a couple to realize that, but it is what it is. I mean, as you said, as Sadish, you said, it's all in learning. Yeah. Well, one of the things you said on your LinkedIn account, which I thought was fascinating, especially considering how young you are, is when people get this aha moment, right? Because entrepreneurship for me is full of these aha moments. And in the best aha moments come when you fail at something and you learn something about yourself. And you said on your LinkedIn page, it took me 21 years to learn that success is simple once to accept how hard it is. So I wanted you to explain where that thought came from. And also maybe some of the startups you've already done that taught you this message. So I think like the quote itself, I remember, I actually read in another podcast and it was around the time that I was working on my first startup, which was, which is when I got in touch with him. And I'd say I was around the, at, at the time that I heard the quote was when I personally was also going through a lot in the sense that I was, when I set my first business up, I was 21. I was, compared to now, I was, I would say quite immature back then. Like, uh, immature is not the, uh, you must relate to this service. When you set your, when you're embarking on your first startup journey, you have, you're very bullish or rather optimistic about how things are going to be in real life. And there comes a phase where it doesn't happen and reality kicks in. You're a bit deflated or you're a bit frustrated. You end up being a bit delusional about why is it happening? And what do you have to do? I launched my e-commerce business in around October, 2019. And then up until December, I, I only had like two sales. I could only manage two sales. Which, were which business was my, this? This was, it was my first startup called One Degree Hotter. So it was an e-commerce fashion label, which primarily sold fashion accessories. And those two sales in three months, I only managed to get them from my friend's circle. And it was. I thought it was some kind of interesting spinoff on Tinder no, or no, something. No, no, no. And I was like, what is this? company name. I was curious to learn more about one degree right, harder. So the passion accessories, right? So the whole tagline, the theme behind the name was that we know your heart, but with our accessories, you can, we can make you look one degree hotter. So that was amazing. But and it was around the time we wanted to take a break, take like one or two weeks off. And it was also the time when obviously when you weren't making sales, you're questioning everything. I had a mentor who was also into e-commerce back in the day. And I remember asking him, maybe this is not the right thing for me. Maybe I'm not meant for an e-commerce business. And one thing that he told me really stood out for me was that he was like, you know what? I can't really, I don't really know if e-commerce is made for you or not. 
But I definitely know is that you're not thinking neutral perspective right now. You're, the fact that you're not making any sales or it's heading towards a failure, that might lead to a bias in your thinking. And I don't want that to happen. So he is the one who really pulls me towards sort of re readjusting my priorities and going back to the drawing board, figuring out what went wrong, how I can rectify it. And most, I think during that process is when I really sort of stepped out of my comfort zone in the sense that I've had to, I've had to really push myself to A, accept that things aren't going well and B, like you sort of have to build up the ideal situation that you create in your own head. It was as if I was hiding the reality behind the identity that I was a co-founder. I was a founder. I was a startup entrepreneur at the age of 21. I started highlighting that more than the sales that I was making or how much, I was, how much profits I was making. So it was really about a, embracing all of that myself and then trying to work on each of that. And yeah, fortunately, and as ironic as it sounds, it took me a couple months to get things up and running again. And as ironic as it sounds, during the peak of co the first wave of COVID is when I am most of my organic sales. That's awesome. It's awesome. Now, 21, did you have other friends that are entrepreneurs? Were you on your own? I'm guessing because of the background we both come from, education and academics at that age is more important college, university, first job, coming out of university. What were your network like when you were building your own business? I'd say I was very fortunate that way because even my, most of the good friends that I had made it and I was studying, they were um, a couple years older than me. So I was freshly fresh out of high school and I jumped straight into undergrad. Unlike a few of my uh, very good friends who, you know, who worked for a couple of years, who've done some other gigs and then came to do their uh, undergrad. And B, I think I've also been someone, like I've, I've been someone who be, who's all fan of networking. I really like meeting people and understanding their journeys. As a result, I ended up meeting a lot of interesting individuals on, from the entrepreneurial landscape when I was at Nottingham. And uh, I remember being a part of this network called Institute of Directors, which is like a networking thing at Nottingham again. It was just like, a combination of my experience talking to these and and I must say that I've also been very fortunate in the sense that I've never been pressurized. I've never faced any pressures from my family about what to do or how to start my career. I would like to circle back from it. So we are here to tell people about your latest business, which is Componian. But before we do that, I want to circle back very quickly to One Degree Hotter. So That's One right. Degree Hotter initially, well, for all intents and purposes, right. was looking as if it was failing. You then sat with your mentor, you had the conversation. Did you turn One Degree around and it turned into a successful business or what happened with One Degree? Well, so yes, I mean, we ended up having sales for one, with One Degree Hotter. There was briefly a time where I was contemplating if e-commerce was meant for me or not. And then I kind of took it up as a challenge to to sort of turn things around, not for anything else, but mainly to sort of boost my own confidence. Because more than the nature of the business, it, it, it got to a point where I started to question my own abilities as an entrepreneur. And one thing that I was always clear in my head was that this is what I wanted to do. I think with e-commerce, it's a combination of that and I also doubt and hired like a good team because up until that point, I was trying to do things all by myself because I I felt that getting my hands dirty would sort of help me get to know the thing inside out. 
but turns out it's much better off with delegating to the right people which again I'm fortunate about because I didn't pay them a lot these were like um, university students all they wanted from me was a circuit of experience and some basic wages to cover their expenses it was not a lot you know I could save up on travel and other expenses so it was a combination of a good team renegotiations with suppliers and mainly a lot of uh, a lot of educating myself on digital marketing so the first thing that i went the first thing that i did was went and like i bought a course on digital marketing i remember spending a lot of time on especially if you're in the first lockdown like a lot of us were sitting at home and i'd freshly come back from the uk after spending three months three years away from family right and you know it was a time when my family my parents were at home and like i have a lovely 11 year old uh, golden retriever so you know it was it was meant, meant for all of us to spend time together and here I was, um, you know, locked in my, in my bedroom trying to work all day long. Yeah, that commitment, it's hard to explain to people unless you have a, unless you have a bigger purpose. And so one of the things we look for in, in sort of early stage founders is when the business plan is not solid, when your role in a company is not solid yet, what's getting you up in the morning? To attack one more time uh to me personally i think again uh, as i said what kind of work you want to do even though you don't have like a business plan in mind so before i started working on my current venture you know on my previous venture I, i'd say like with each venture i try and um so things appeal to me or that that i stand for personally you know that that matter to me and whenever i um sort of analyze those traits against the startup to see to, just to check the relatability aspect you can't not find one or two things uh, for, on every endeavor that you take i mean i completely agree that and i'm one who believes in having that emotional connector you know that 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 i need i need to be able to resonate with the core ethos of the project to be able to go above and beyond to, to essentially get up every day and uh, with the current project that i'm working on component it's about dogs it's about pet care and that's pets is a subject that's very close to my heart because as i said i'm a pet parent myself in fact the whole reason i started on this venture is because of my own dog so when i when my second startup uh, when my second business venture fell through earlier this year i was again confused i was like you know what, what do i do you know do I work on another project? Do I get a job? If, if I want to work on and I decided that, you know, maybe I'm going to give it another shot. I was like, okay, if that's the case, what do I do? What do I work on? You know, how do I choose my project? And this time it was more of a systematic approach where I again made a list of all the things that mattered to me that, and all the things that genuinely excite me. And then I tried to look for gaps in between. And while I was doing this, I thought I'd got some time. So I'd just go back and spend some time with family. And it was around this time that I realized that as my dog was getting older, he was getting less and less active. Because, uh, you know, when I'm in the UK and when my parents leave to work, he's all by himself in the house. And uh, he also has arthritis. And I and I kept reading about it. You know, I kept reading about, uh, you know, dogs developing depression as they age and if they're left alone. So I tried to take him out to parks and to pet-friendly cafes. And it just wouldn't work out because a lot of these um, these places, they're filled with younger and more energetic dogs. So it was sort of like back to square one. And then I was like, okay, what if there's a platform where, you know, you can, before taking your dog out to for a play date with another dog, 
you can go through the list of all the docs and select a doc that you want your doc based on their age, energy levels, breed, temperament, etc. So it was sort of like the Tinder for dogs, but for playdates. That was my idea initially. And then, you know, I came back, of course, you know, being an entrepreneurship student, the first thing with the, the, one of the fundamentals is to go out there and validate your problem statement before you actually go and build the product. So I spoke to dog owners and I, it turns out dog socializing their pets is not as big a problem as I thought it would be. It was not, it was not a problem that a lot of people were facing. So then in that case, I was like, right, if that's not a problem, what is your biggest problem? What do you struggle with on a daily basis? And that's when I got to know that the dog owners are most concerned about their pet's health and well-being. And in particular, the problem, especially post-pandemic, they're facing is expensive medical bills and long waiting queues. And that's exactly the problem that we're trying to solve at Companion. At Companion, we want to make sure every pet parent has access to instant medical advice when things go wrong. Because more often than not, your dog is bleeding you know that the first thing you've got to do is run to a veterinary clinic. But, you know, what if it's something that's more subtle, you know? Or, you know, let's say you're getting getting ready for work and your dog starts acting up. You don't know what to do. And even if you want to take him to a vet, you'd probably be looking at taking half a day off and then, you know, taking the dog to the vet. And sometimes it can take a couple hours. So more than money or convenience, what we're trying to give uh, what we're trying to provide dog owners with is peace of mind. Peace of mind knowing that when something's wrong, all they got to do is get onto the app, speak to a certified expert, and have a clear plan of action in front of them. So this is your third venture, right? If we have a look at one degree, so if you have a look at one degree hotter, right, it had a bumpy right. start and you were able to turn it around. Your second venture didn't work out. This is where you try to set up a tech or an algorithm, a team to build an algorithm in the yeah. mid space. And that didn't work out, right? right? So at that point, that's right. why didn't you go, no, yeah. not for me. At this point, a lot of young people would turn around and go, you know what? All the signs out there says, I'm not made for this. But you didn't do that. You turned around and said, no, I'm going to go on and start something else. What's that, what is that driver? What is that, where does that resilience come from? And that I'm not willing to give up on my ambition or my drive to work for myself. You're absolutely right. A lot of people, or a lot of youngsters my age take the decision to then gravitate towards job mainly for financial reasons, right? And again, as I said, I was extremely fortunate. Like I remember like the day that we decided to shut the, the second startup. Uh, you know, I had a conversation with my parents at dinner table. I was like, what do I do? And the first thing that came out of my father's uttered were, it's all right, just give it another shot. We're happy to support you financially. Just go out there and just do what you like. So that's one thing. And the second thing, again, is it's, I think it, it all comes down to how aware one is as a, one is as a person, right? Because there are, I believe there are two ways of looking at a disappointment or at a failure. One is you just, um, you just dwell, dwell on it. Or the other thing is, right, what's happened has happened. How do I move forward? You know, what have I learned from this? Unfortunately, I've always been someone to look at a positive 
and uh, most importantly i feel like i'm i'm someone who's good at coming to terms with reality so instead of dwelling on the past i'm like right what has happened what can i learn from it and how can i avoid the mistakes moving forward so i would say like when i was embarking on my third venture i was more informed because even the first two startups the second one mainly like an e-commerce thing this the second one involves in building a team and getting an advisory board and all of that so that was more like a trial and error process because it was my first time at like a real tech startup so uh, a lot of the times i remember during that startup i was like does this work i have two options so how do i know which one works the only way out was by testing both of them I was like okay this doesn't work okay this probably doesn't work because of this reason and so this is what you know i can do something else to make it work and as a result of treating my second startups as a learning curve i've been able to avoid a lot of those pitfalls in the third one you know and i think that that the awareness that i have that knowledge or that experience now at this point is also what sort of uh, i would say really gave me the strength and the confidence and the optimism that you know i can i can tackle another startup moving forward so let's go back to Componion then. Where is Componion at this point in time? So, um, you've started this company. Are you raising funds? Is it a MVP? Is it a full-fledged solution? Where exactly is it at the moment? I'd say we're in between uh, transitioning from just being on paper to actually moving towards building an MVP. So as I said, uh, around May this year is when I started working on Componion. And uh, again, I mean, this is typical startup. It's a no-brainer, right? Nothing goes to the plan. A while ago, the initial idea was something else. It was more about being the Tinder for dogs. But obviously, that didn't work. And then we had to pivot towards healthcare, health and well-being. And then like, that, that again involved like going back to the drawing board. You know, talking to customers all over again, understanding their behavior, ideating, you know, like the solution. And right now we're at the stage where, um, in fact, um, I just got off a call with like a few people. So we're to increase the size of the team. We have like one person who's, uh, who's in charge of um, the tech side of things. And we're currently in the process of building our blueprint for the MVP and by the end of this year we'd like to have a, a working prototype in our hands and so my job until then is to basically um, you know go out there network with investors bring advisors on board and onboard like a couple vets and like a, a focus group to begin our first round of testing. And tell me if you look at the lessons that you learned with your other two businesses what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned that's actually supporting you now on the path with Componion? Uh, the biggest lesson, I would say, uh, two lessons, if I may. One is uh, don't feel shattered if your project fails. I mean, clearly, I'm working on my third one, right? And uh, I've fingers crossed, but uh, I don't think I've been, I've been as optimistic as I am in my previous two startups, you know? Certainly don't feel uh, shattered if something fails because I think initially we may feel dejected but there comes a point where we can't not reflect back on the positives. And as they say, things are all, things always look better in hindsight. So yeah, that one. So just, just hang in there. And the second biggest learning is, I would say, uh, try and not compare yourselves with someone, you know, some other people, like, you know, others progress. I feel so that trap. In fact, very recently that I, that I realized that 
I, I was actually in the trap, you know, because uh, there's this uh, there's this common saying that if your startup doesn't, you know, if you can't if you can't acquire customers within the first six months of your startup, then something is wrong. But that's a very generalized statement. Very often we don't really we neglect the nuances or the the context of each of our projects. And I was actually at the London Demo Day, uh, which is organized by Imperial, where uh, Imperial College London, where I did my masters. It was one such days where I was putting in the work, but like, you know, things weren't like moving forward, you know, as I, as I had expected. So I was, uh, my mood was a little here and there and I went, uh, I thought that's it. I'll probably shut my laptop out there, speak to a few people, network with them and just, just, just have a fun time. And uh, one of the, I saw one of the pitches and they said that it took three years to just get that product market fit and at that point I told myself dude you've not even been working on this for like six straight months there is someone who have not only worked not only taken three years to achieve their product market fit but right now you know they've raised significant amount of funds getting all the traction and most importantly they're standing on the platform hosted by Imperial College London so you know just don't try and compare your journey to someone else's. It's each to their own, really. I think that is such good advice. You know, this is your journey. No one, you can't compare your journey to anyone else's journey. There are things happening on their journey that you've got no insight into and the things happening on yours. So it's very personal to you. Uh, I, I just want to stay on that point a little bit because a lot of it's good stuff that people need to hear. This is the 45, 50 year old, three, four startups later TikTok message of don't look around you, focus on yourself. And but how do you live that lifestyle? You're young, you're coming in a platform age where, you know, whether you're on LinkedIn, TikTok, social, there's noises around this young generation of what success means, the out hustle culture, and the, but it's now, the opposite, which is the mindfulness and the Taoist mindset. How do you live this? Like, what are some of your routines in the morning that keeps you grounded and that surrounds young people in your age group? I mean, not it, to begin with, not to say that I'm unaffected. Things do bother me. I've always been like a morning person. Uh, and it started off for a very different reason. So when I was in my high school, for a brief period of time, I remember, uh, you know, training for athletics and football, which basically required me to, so we had this thing called the morning practice, which required me to go to the school by 7 a.m., train for an hour, and then take a shower in our, uh, in the facility at the school, and our school would start at half eight. So by the time I got home, I was practically tired because in order to get to the school at 7 a.m., it meant I had to get up by half five or six at least. Yeah, and then undergrad, you know, that's when you're you're exposed to friends, partying and other stuff. So this whole morning routine and like, you know, going to bed early took a back seat. But then there there comes a point and to be honest with you, I think it's, I don't think I've ever been like the, the lifestyle that I've had in the last six to eight months. I don't think I've ever been this disciplined, you know. It originating from all sorted, you know, like me figuring everything out. I'd say it's more a result of um, fear, you know, fear of things going wrong if I don't stay on my toes. Yeah, and so like, you know, I've had friends who are a few years older than me. And I think surrounding myself with like people a little more old who are older and wiser 
Well, hopefully wiser. So yeah, I think like surrounding myself, people also helps, you know. No, it's good to know, man. Because look, the idea of an entrepreneur, this hoodie wearing young kid, the Mark Zuckerberg vibe is not evolved. You know, entrepreneurs now are not limited by age or, or opportunity. Because at some point, the older you were, the less opportunity you had. But today in a global market, I've, I'm meeting entrepreneurs that are in their 50s for the first time because there's an idea that they can't live without. And so this failing or expectations is changing. You know, if you're, if you're somebody who's married with three kids and you discovered a passion for starting a business in your 50s, the idea of failing and community or family expectations is much different than somebody who's 21, 22, 23. And we can't avoid that because in our best days, there's still a tiny voice in the back that goes, well, it goes to shit. Who's yeah. looking? You know, and I love the fact that at your young age, you've already determined that it is what it is. It doesn't matter. You try really hard. You work really hard. You do your best to build a, an idea into something. If it does or it doesn't, you still learn something along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And with, we've come to, I mean, we've come to the last segment of our show and you've touched on a lot of these things that we've actually just, that I'm going to speak about now, but for the last segment, I'm going to put three words out there. And for each word, I would like you to tell me in the context of where you're at, what does that actually mean to you? So the first word is family. I would, I would gen genuinely say that, um, so for this startup particularly, um, you know, like I've been, I've actually been discussing a lot, like a lot of the progress or strategies or anything with, with my, with mainly my father, you know, and with my parents in general. Um, and I feel like that, that has sort of, um, improved communication between us or like transparency between us because even for my first two startups it was more like you do your thing I do my thing and we only talk about family you know but right now it's not it's not like that anymore you know uh we in fact even earlier today I was like you know I was I just called him over lunch and we were talking about you know the progress that I've made um this this week so far this week and how it is going and I think like with age, the, with me particularly, again, I'm, I'm not trying to sound cool or something, but the fact that I, I uh, moved to a different country and started staying away from family from, it's been six years since I moved to the UK now. I think that with each passing day, I, there's this, I of course miss my family, you know, nothing like, it would be idealist, you know, I was around then. But uh, it is what it is. I think like that, knowing that, um, sort of gives me this this uh, realization or awareness that I I should try and cherish every every moment or every second that I spend with them, you know, because um, my time, unlike you know someone who who's who's probably living in the same city or in the same country, you know, my compared to them, my time the time that I get to spend with my family is limited. So you know, I I would say I'm slowly I'm still in the process of learning how to make the most of it and uh, it's definitely so family yes it's definitely on an upward trajectory and the second word then is team team i would say that uh, i am i've only recently started realizing the importance of having a good team around me i think for my second startup mainly 
I had a team, but like I, I was there, I wasn't like very, very close to them. Like we all got together for the sake of that startup. So things were good from, from like a productivity or an efficiency point of view, but there was never really like, um, like, like things never moved beyond just work for us, you know? And, uh, in fact, it was the other day, in fact, it was on this earlier this week, like on Monday that, uh, the, the tech person who's on board right now, he happens to be like a really good friend of mine as well. So. It's just the fact that there are no barriers between us, you know, so like work really became fun, you know, it became the definition of fun. And, uh, I think as a result of that, I'm, I'm slowly starting to understand the importance of having, having a good team around me, not just for the sake of having no barriers, but it's also because, you know, deep down there's this innate sense of trust and um, you know confidence that or maybe i think it's a confidence because i know that i shouldn't be worried about them going behind my back or you know yeah. doing something incompetent and then the last word is entrepreneurship as i said i, I think i'm still i'm still trying to figure figure it out figure it out you know i mean i don't know technically speaking uh, i'm even though this is my third startup, as I said, you know, it's, it's the the second star. I couldn't get the second one up and running. And this one is still, we're still in a very early stage, you know. And uh, I'd say entrepreneurship is the one, if, if I can say, attach one word to it. I would say it's, I'm at the, it's a learning curve, you know. And I'm still at the very beginning stage because I feel like the real um, sort of, um, the challenge lies ahead for us when we build, when we take the product into the market, you know. And uh, I, more than a challenge, I would, I would like to treat it as a, as an opportunity, as an, as a very exciting opportunity. To, yeah, hopefully, enhance my skill set in the process. And I can say, I can say one thing for a fact that I think, I think deep down, you know, I am an entrepreneur in the sense that, even, even when I exit from this company a few years uh, down the lane, you know. Uh, I don't, I definitely see myself gravitating towards starting all over again. So, yeah, maybe that's entrepreneurship for me. I love that. And with it's been great having you on our show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think for, as a young man, you're exceptionally grounded and you're wise for your age. Um, and I think that's going to serve you exceptionally well on the path that you actually going down. So where can people reach you? Where can they follow you? LinkedIn. And with Varanasi is my profile, the guy with the blue suit and spectacles <laughs> and spectacles. <laughs> if you want to follow Companion, yeah, the name is, it's basically Companion, but with a paw. We've got an Insta handle and a Facebook handle and a website as well. That's right. awesome. That is a clever name. And, you know, you got your sense of calmness and, you know, we're excited to follow along on your journey. So there we go. Cheers, and that, Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks very much again. I really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, buddy. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Satish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by Bloom X. 
For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bloomx.io to join us on Discord.